It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. <laughs> well, this is this is taking a, a sad and and depressing turn. <laughs> no. Oh man! No, uh, celebrate. We're leaning into it. We are leaning into. Uh, what is it the weekend? Are we officially in the yeah. weekend now? Can Daniel Craig welcome us to the weekend because it's six o'clock here yeah. on the East Coast? I see yes. Randy Scott. Okay, good. That voice you heard is Randy Scott on Michael Rossing. We're here filling in today for Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel eighty. And if you're on your smart speaker, just say ESPN Radio, and you can hear us there too. One person who you probably have heard a lot from throughout the course of, I don't know, the past decade or so has been Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant spoke with The Athletic, and he talked a lot about legacy, Randy, and Uh how he feels about legacy. I'm going to read part of what he said here, okay, for, for our listening audience and for you. I don't care about legacy, Durant told The Athletic. I used to I used to want to carve out a lane or space in this game for myself that people can be remember, but it's become too much of a thing now. It just becomes too much of a focus on other people. What he's done, what he's done, comparisons. Before, when we wasn't doing all this debating, I cared about it. I'm about to be in the same breath as these top guys. It was big. Nowadays, I truly, truly don't care. I truly just want to go out there and produce, be the best that I could be, go home, hang with my family. That's it. It, end quote. Randy, I I love this take from Kevin Durant because I think it shows a lot of self-awareness and I think it shows that he's playing for himself now, not necessarily for what others think of him. And that is important. And that might mean we get the best Kevin Durant over the next few years. I, I've always respected his, his lack of a filter. Um, I think it's gotten him in trouble sometimes, right? I mean, he was sort of outed earlier in his career as being somebody who uh, has a, a, a burner on social media, but he laughed it off. You know, he's a guy who doesn't, he truly does not care about um, getting dragged on social media for being on social media. He cares about getting dragged on social media for his accomplishments between the lines. I've always respected his ability to focus on basketball, his love of the game of basketball, the fact that he would play at Rucker in the offseason, the fact that he would get a game. There were some runs in the DMV that he would get into where if you lived in that area, you knew where you could find him sometimes. He's from Prince George's County, reps PG County a fair amount. Like He's just, the man loves the game. He's not he, He's in it for his ability to win, his ability to produce. And so when he has done those things, like I'm trying to think, man. Like you know, Michael, if you if you want a, a, a Pulitzer Prize, and someone said, yeah, you it was a, it was a group project. You just signed your name on it. You know, like you know that to not be the case. People who truly follow journalism would know that not to be the case. But if somehow that was the narrative, how infuriating would that be? And that's what oh. we're talking about with Katie's legacy right now. It, it would be very infuriating, Randy Scott. But <laughs> at the same time. You need to know, and I think this is what KD was getting at, is you need to know that, okay, whatever they're saying out there, 
I know the truth. The people around me that are close to me, the people that matter, they know the truth. And that has to be good enough. That was what I took from it. Maybe I'm completely misreading what, what KD was saying here. But that was how I took it. Jay Williams was on KJM earlier today. And he said he KD needs to stop worrying about what other people think. Man. From this point forward, regardless of what Max says, Stephen A., myself, you, Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp, anybody in media, I don't need to hear nothing. Just be an assassin. And at the end of the day, for Kevin Durant, let his body of work dictate his legacy. Because I hope, I pray for as a great of a basketball player as Kevin Durant is, if he adds this missing component to his persona, that's what I'm talking about, damn it. Because that's next level for him. He shouldn't give a damn what anybody says. It don't matter. All that matters is what Kevin Durant thinks about Kevin Durant. I'm not. He's not wrong. It's one of the hardest things to do. But he's not wrong, Andy Scott. He is wrong. He uh, like no, I, he's I, not. Why I, is he wrong? I respect. I respect Jay Will. Like it's it. He's okay. Maybe he's not wrong. He's asking about something. He's asking for something that's impossible. It it truly is impossible. Uh, you know, Jay Will. <laughs> Jay Will just uh, was in social media. I don't want to say debates, but he posted his own displeasure with the all-time college basketball guards rankings. And that's just off the top of my head. That was a few weeks ago, you know? And Jay Will was, I will I will say it, Jay Will was way too low on those rankings. Jay Will's in the top five, easy. And I think he was outside the top ten, potentially. It was embarrassing. It was a bad ranking. But Jay Will felt it. Jay Will felt that. Now imagine if Jay Will had been able to achieve his NBA ceiling. He was robbed of that. Injury robbed him of that. But imagine Jay Will was able to achieve that. Imagine he won a title, whether it was in Chicago with the Bulls or at a later NBA stop. And people said that his title was diminished because of his teammates, because it, because he joined a winning situation. That would, come on, man. That would bother Jay Will. If we're talking about his college legacy and how some online account ranked that, among other on you know college basketball guard legacies, and that bothered Jay Will, which by the way I have no problem with it bothering him, but you can't then turn around and say, hey man, just focus on basketball, be the assassin, blah blah. That's Kevin Durant's a human being, he and, yeah. and he's and he's demonstrated that on social media and otherwise, and I respect that more than being some some drone assassin out there who is just has jumper will travel. See, I just didn't take what KD said like that. Mm-hmm. To me, it was KD saying, I don't care about what other people think in terms of where they're going to rank me, whether they're going to rank me as the fifth best player or 10th best player or 20th best player. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I've done. The teammates that I have played with know what I've done. They know what I meant to their championship teams. And to me, what he is saying is this. That's all that matter. That is all that matters to me. You're going to talk about all of it, like that, I get that that's going to happen, but this is what matters to me. And he's saying, I used to get all caught up in it. To me, it is someone who has a perspective of life oh, Okay, saying, okay, yeah, I, I get it now. I see that. Yeah, Jay Will, maybe it's weird to think of Jay Will as an old head, but at least a veteran, right, yeah. who's advising a younger that I, I, I see that part of it. I just, I, I guess I don't want Durant to lose this. I want him to continue to sort of wear his... Emotions and frustrations, good and bad, right? Hard on his sleeve. Yeah, except for I don't 
I don't know if that's going to change. I think it, in some ways it might make him a better player. Because if, it, if, it, if this has bothered him in the past, and if this has bothered him even in the present, if he's able to block that out in the future and play for him, mm-hmm. play for family, play for his teammates, that's only going to make him better because he's no longer going to be wondering, oh, you know, I got to get 50 tonight because otherwise this person's going to attack, you know, Right, John four two six three Q X four is going to say something mean about me on Twitter. Like, if he's able to push out of that, that to me changes. I think the entire conversation, and really, we could see a great second to last and last chapter of Kevin Durant's career in the NBA that could cement him among the top ten all time. Candy Carl is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. The Huskies are going to the Final Four. Three. San Diego State will head to Houston. Two. The Hurricanes score back. One. In what should be an epic Final Four. Say we don't belong, but we've constantly proven people wrong all season. Next stop, Houston. Houston is next. Houston is now. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And this is just on your smart speaker. Just say ESPN Radio alongside Randy Scott. I'm Michael Rothstein. We're filling in for Kenny and Carlin today. And we're going to go out to Houston and to the guys. We're going to go to Lafonso Ellis, ESPN's college basketball analyst, Fonz, it has been so long, I feel like, since you and I have sat together uh, on a press row at the Joyce Center <laughs> 15 years ago. How are you, my man? That's because you've been avoiding me due to my body odor. <laughs> and away, away we go. Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> hey, you know, that is, only because one, that is only because one of us works out and works out with any sort of um, intensity, and that would be you, sir, not me, as it has always been. So, all right, Fonz, let's, let's dig into this. We see okay. a whole bunch of other guys who are going to be sweating on Saturday, and those are the teams sure. playing in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Which team right now, when you look at it, are you kind of saying, you know what, I'm not surprised they're here? You said not surprised that they're there? Is that what yeah. you said? Forgive yes. me. Not. Yeah. Yes. Not no, no. Yes. UConn has been really extraordinary uh, throughout the NCAA tournament. I mean, they've been boat racing teams. I mean, winning by uh, 26 points uh, in, in this tournament. And it's interesting because uh, about two months ago, uh, we, we were asked on that college game day show to submit uh, teams that we thought could truly had a legitimate chance of winning it. And, you know, there's a little formula with uh, efficiency, both on the offensive and defensive end. And there were four teams that I thought that legitimately had a chance to win it. And those teams were UConn, uh, Alabama, uh, Tennessee, and UCLA. Now, obviously, the other three have uh, been beaten to this point. But UConn, my gosh, I mean, they have a little bit of everything and too deep at every position. And it starts with Adama Sanogo. He's been dominant uh, in the NCAA tournament, averaging 20 points a game, nearly 10 rebounds a game. And even when they've been double-teaming him down low, he's been passing the basketball really well. He's had six assists uh, in one of his games. And then Jordan Hawkins, uh, you, you, it's, it's funny for him because that dude can explode and, not, and, and run off 
four, five, six shots in a row. And uh, the, the most difficult thing about this UConn team is, you know, they don't run a lot of ball screen action. They do a lot of moving, uh, moving and off-ball screening. And so they, they become really, really difficult to guard. And just when you think you got Adama Sinogo under wraps, uh, he goes on the bench uh, with a foul or two, and in comes their talented seven-foot-two <laughs> center and Donovan Klingon. And so Andre Jackson, in my mind, is – uh, a guy who I think the entire country should really come to know and respect. Doesn't demand a lot of shots. He just plays. And a guy who's capable of getting a triple-double. The weakness with this team uh, that we could project coming into the season was uh, lack of point guard play. And Tristan Newton's already had two triple-doubles on the season. And that he's been he's done a really nice job of solidifying that position. So, Right. This is a UConn team that can stick it from three three guys who shoot thirty eight percent or better from the three point line in their rotation, and so I it, it UConn is the deepest, most talented team left. And as we all know, the best teams don't necessarily always win it. Uh, Miami is a formidable foe with their ability to be able to score the basketball one through four. So looking at Miami and looking at what how they got here, Fonz, in that second half comeback against Texas. The transition points. It, I argued earlier that they went against what college basketball and AAU ball and NBA balls become, which is you know three and D, and they did it with layups. They did it with turning you over and getting to the rim yeah. and getting to the free throw line. Is that something that they can bank on being able to do against UConn, or do they have to go back to the drawing board and come up with a different way to attack these Huskies? Well, Coach Lanager is going to do what he's done. And, and in the NBA, we call it elbow, defending the elbows and posts. And so if the, mm-hmm. assuming that the ball is on the right wing, what that offensive player is seeing, he's seeing a defensive player at the right elbow. He's seeing a defensive player at the right block. And then the two other defenders are inside of the opposite side elbows and blocks. And so it makes it very difficult to get dribble penetration into that defense. But when you have a powerful interior player like Adama Sinogo, you can store it to him, and now you have to react. Are you going to play him one-on-one and allow him to absolutely destroy you inside because there's no one in college basketball, in my mind, who can guard him one-on-one in the post. And it puts your one post guy, uh, Norchad O'Meara, who's so valuable to this team because of his ability to defend, rebound, and screen. He can he can ill afford to get in foul trouble, so they got to have to double. But uh, I don't expect him to change anything. Uh, they, they do a great job of one pass away. They get a ton of deflections and make you have to make the extra pass. And most players are uncomfortable. They'll make the first one, but a little bit uncomfortable making the second pass. And that's where they get you because then they get a hand on one of those and then they are out. And to your point, to your point running for layups and dunks, mm-hmm. specifically in that Texas game, with 10 minutes to go in the game, they were in a double bonus. And I kept just yelling out loud, drive it, drive it. Because now all of a sudden you're driving the basketball, you get fouled, and now you're able to put points on the board without the clock moving, which plays in your favor. So I, I thought they did a masterful job, uh, not only in the second half, but particularly in the last 10 minutes against Texas to put themselves in position to play against UConn tomorrow. We're talking to ESPN's college basketball analyst, analyst LaFonso Ellis, here on Candy and Carl on ESPN Radio. And Fonz, we're t- we talked about Miami and UConn. That is the second game. The first game is Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. Sure. Both of these teams may be a little bit surprising for them to be here. The, most, the biggest one may be Florida Atlantic. What is it that yes. they do well enough that has put them in this position where they're playing in their first ever Final Four? 
what they do well is they do a terrific job of gang rebounding the basketball. I mean, they rebound to 40% of the misses in the NCAA tournament, and that's the highest amongst uh, remaining teams. And mind you, uh, the, the, the top outside, and let's see, outside of their center, uh, they don't have Golden, Vladimir Golden, they don't have a guy in the starting lineup over 6'4". And so they do a terrific job of sending three guys to the glass, and they've rebounded it really well. But what they also do is because they're undersized, all four guys in the perimeter can knock down the three. Similar to Miami, actually. All four guys out there uh, on the perimeter can knock down the three. They drive it well. All of them are excellent finishes around the rim with either hand. And what they do so well, it's, it's almost like if the help even thinks to step over, they're one step ahead and they're passing that basketball. Now all of a sudden you're getting a long closeout, and either they're knocking down three or they're redriving it, and they do a really good job of moving and repositioning themselves on the weak side to keep stay out of the vision of the weak side defender, which often leads to baskets on the weak side of the floor. So for being as undersized as they are, they are feisty, scrappy, and a terrific offensive rebounding team. I mean, they're getting 15-second chance points a game. In the uh, NCAA tournament, I think that's 58 total, which is second, uh, the second most in the tournament. That's incredible when you consider uh, the size deficiency that they have. LaFonta, thank you so much for taking a few minutes tonight. Enjoy the games this weekend. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on. And I promise to put on uh, deodorant and a little bit of cologne next time. Appreciate you. Appreciate <laughs> you, Fonz. Appreciate it, Fonz. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. Blessings to you and your family. Thanks for having me on. That, that is Alfonso Ellis, ESPN's college basketball analyst here on Canny and Carlin. Before, very quickly, Randy Scott, before yeah. we go to break, Adam Schefter just tweeted this. DeMar Hamlin met with President Joe Biden today. Okay. And among the things that he said is that he thinks he's going to be able to play again. I thought that that was really interesting and enough of a breaking news situation wow. that we'll, we're going to get to that a little bit at the other side of the break. We're also going to talk about mm-hmm. another legacy from a coach this weekend that might wrap up a massive deal if she's able to win a national title. This is Kenny and Carl on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Thank you. It is the weekend. Yes. Thank you, Daniel Craig. I am so happy you finally heard that. Now I don't have to go seek it out on Twitter because I have gotten my fix of, ladies and gentlemen, 
the weekend. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Series XM, Channel 80. We're also on your smart speaker. Just say ESPN Radio. Alongside Randy Scott, I'm Michael Rothstein. And as we talked about right before the break, this was something that popped over a little bit earlier today. Some great news uh, for a conversation that we were having a lot kind of at the beginning of 2023, which was about Tamar Hamlin. And uh, Tamar Hamlin, if you don't remember, was severely injured during a Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game toward the end of the season, was hospitalized. There was a cardiac event. And his progress has been remarkable. And Adam Schefter tweeted this. And to be clear, there are two things here. One, Tamar Hamlin met with President Joe Biden, and he told Joe Biden that he thinks he's going to be able to play again. Adam Schefter also tweeted this, that to be clear, DeMar Hamlin has gone through, been going through testing, has not been cleared to play. But DeMar Hamlin believes that he'll be able to play again. Randy, when, when I hear that, the conversation of should he play or should he not play is a different conversation. The conversation of that he even feels like he might be able to, man, that, that's just, that's awesome stuff. It's it's a miracle. It's a continuation of a miracle. It's it's a miracle. It would be a miracle 2.0, right? It's an ongoing, developing situation of continuing coverage of a miracle. Uh, it also says something about the man because I think he would be forget forgiven. I think he'd be um, understood and and supported, and I think it would be expected if he decided I'm done. I'm done with football. I'm done with this game. I can't go you know, uh, do my job anymore. I can't go hit someone over the middle. I can't hit period because I don't know if I'm going to relive this nightmare from the last time. So, um, if he were, if he were medically cleared, that would be one level of miracle. If he would then apply it to himself and get back on the field and put himself in that situation again, I, I, we'd never seen anything like it. We never, I mean this, he one of one never before seen in this game. Yeah. I, I, I'll, Mentally, I don't. I, I couldn't do it. I know that for sure. I, I would. Right. I wouldn't be able to handle that. That's. Listen, the fact that Demar Hamlin's even talking about this, like you said, it is. It's a miracle. It's. It's really awesome to to hear that. It it just really really is. Don't forget tomorrow. All the help you need when you're wagering on the NCAA tournament. It's the tournament challenge numbers crunch that starts at five Eastern right here on ESPN Radio. Then the primetime Final Four special begins at six o'clock Eastern. That'll be hosted by Mark Zeno, Harrison Stanford, and former coach Tim Welsh. And when we're looking at, I know we were talking about college basketball legacies earlier, Randy, here on Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, and. We were talking about Kevin Durant. He's talking about how he doesn't necessarily care about his legacy. But there are multiple legacies on the line right now in college basketball this weekend. Uh, I think there are three that stand out the most. Although almost everybody playing or coaching, this is massive for this le- for their legacy. I want to start here, though. Caitlin Clark. She plays tonight, South Carolina, versus her Iowa Hawkeyes. That's 9 o'clock on ESPN. What does she need to do to cement anything else at this point? Like to me, it feels like everything would be an icing on everything if she were to happen to beat South Carolina and win oh a national God. title. Yeah, if she if she beat South Carolina and won a nat- and won a national title, you know, you know, <laughs> I don't want to down, I don't want to uh, besmirch South Carolina, but I think if Caitlin Clark does this tonight, it's up there with taking down a machine. In terms of 
right? A winning streak, dominance, all of that. Like you could be, you would not be super hyperbolic to say it's it's the United States over Russia at the 1980 Winter Olympics. And I say that because, hold on, I say that because, hold on, I see your face. I, 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 know, I see I'm your listening. face. I say it because of the parallels where this is the biggest challenge left. It just so happens to be in the semifinal round, right? The United States beat Russia, then go had to beat, I believe it was Finland to win gold, Finland or Sweden to win gold in the 80 Olympic. Like that's what. Caitlin Clark and company would have to do. You take down this machine that's won 42 straight games. You take down this machine that people were picking against the field as the tournament was announced. If you beat South Carolina tonight, if anything, the challenge is the letdown for whoever your opponent is, Virginia Tech or LSU, on the other side of things. Now, if Caitlin, I think Caitlin Clark, the hay is in the barn, or to put it in Iowa term, in terms, of the the corn is in the harvest. Like I, I, I think her, <laughs> I think her career, her reputation, legacy, all of it is solidified already. I mean, she's 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 dragged Iowa through a region that had you know Stanford in it, that had Louisville in it, and they didn't just beat Louisville; they thumped Louisville in, in the in the regional final to get to this point. So I think it's secured. She would reach. Pantheon status, even more so. Maybe just a better seat in VIP if they win this game tonight. If they win this game tonight, if she goes on to win a national title, she's probably in the conversation with people like Cheryl Swoops, like Shamiko Holtzclaw, like Lisa Leslie, like Sue Bird, like Diana Tarazi, both of which you can see on ESPN2 with the Bird and Tarazi show, by the way, if you want to watch some of the women's final four and hear from them. In that level, she might be there already, but if she's able to win a national title, like she's sitting there right at the table with those people. Moving on from her, the person she's facing, well, she's not going to face her actually, but the coach that she is facing, Don Staley. If she's able to finish this weekend out, have an undefeated season, win another national title, where does this put her? Uh, to me, it's uh, she, it's her, Gino, and Summit at that point. Yeah, yeah, she's she's up there now. Um you know, the sustained success of Gino, the sustained success of Summit, to do it at a time where women's basketball was more was 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 less in, in inclusive in terms of talent being sort of allocated around the country. Like it those were the two maybe Stanford, maybe Tara Vanderveer was yeah. was in that in that uh, discussion as well. For Staley to do it in this era where there's so much talent so widely spread. That is, to me, more impressive than the early years of Ariema and and Coach Summit and, and Coach Vanderveer. But they did it for so much longer. So Staley's making her fifth Final Four appearance. They're looking to become the tenth undefeated national champion. They won forty two straight games. Looking to be the fourth program to go back to back. That's rare. UConn, Tennessee, USC did it. She's only the ninth to reach three straight Final Fours. There's no reason not to think they won't be back next year. So what it'll do for her legacy tonight. I think she's already in the discussion for the best coach right now. She might be the she she might be the best coach right now, um, yeah. best CEO of a program as well in women's basketball right now. But what it'll do for her tonight is continue her march, which at her young age and her fire and an inability to be complacent or you know celebrate her own successes seemingly, um, it, it just puts her one step closer to chasing down some of the records that we thought Ariyama had put up on a high shelf. Yeah, well, by the way, I'm going to take that caveat and, and remove it for you, Randy. Uh, not women's basketball. I will say she's the best coach in college basketball right now, men or women. I would take her over anybody. I think she's that good of a coach. Wow. Uh, yeah, th- think about what she's done. Like you said, it's an expanded era. It's not like you right. have teams right. that go there every year. This is much closer to the men's game. 
so I think with the jobs that she's done, she's, to me, the best college coach in the country, men or women right now, without question. Real quick, two things. One, Cheryl Miller should also be in that conversation with Caitlin Clark and Lisa Leslie oh, yeah. and Sue Bird. Yeah. Just to, because you mentioned USC. The last thing we're going to try to do is 30 seconds each. Danny Hurley, if they're able to finish this off and win a national title, what does this do for Dan Hurley? Ah, uh, uh, I mean, the whole never buy a meal thing in, in Connecticut is very real. Um, <laughs> but it, it, you know, his, the, the knock on him was his tournament record coming in. It puts to bed the fact that he spits the whistle, spits the bit right in big games. You know, it shows that he's a big game coach. It shows that he's able to improve a program and a team as a season goes on and as a tournament goes on. And I think it's, it, you know, puts him, uh, it, it starts a conversation for how good of a matchup coach he is because he's been able to impose his team's will on some of these best teams in the country, to be sure. I mean, boat racing Arkansas. Uh, a team that supposedly had had more uh, more athletes and and more speed than than his team. So I, I think it puts him in the in the discussion of some of the best you know tacticians in college basketball right now. No, there was a great story in the, from the on the Athletic from Brendan Quinn about how thirty years ago Dan Hurley almost quit basketball because he's part of this Hurley family. Bob Senior, his brother Bobby played at Duke, great point guard career altered by a very bad car accident. Mm-hmm. If Dan Hurley's able to do this, this this becomes his own thing. Bobby was the great player. His dad, a Hall of Fame basketball coach on the high school level. This becomes Dan Hurley's thing on the college level if he's, if he's able to do this. I I think that this is massive for him both with own, in his own family, but also with how people remember Dan Hurley and look at him going forward because he's the type of guy that if he stays at UConn for a while, he can build the Huskies into the juggernaut that they were again like they were under Jim Calhoun. Coming up there, we're talking about the Final Four, but there's another sneaky story in college basketball right now, and it's coming out of Ann Arbor. We'll get to that more in 3 and Out next here on Candy and Carlin. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Three and out, of course, brought to you by Geico. Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Go to geico.com today. We're about 20 minutes away from Virginia Tech, LSU Women's Final Four. That'll be on ESPN. Alongside Randy Scott, I'm Michael Rothstein here filling in for Kenny and Carlin tonight. Randy, I'm super excited for this slate of games tonight. LSU, Virginia Tech, and then... 
Iowa, South Carolina coming up right after that. This could be fun. I can't wait. I, I keep saying it's an undercard, but I'm rooting hard for Virginia Tech. The Virginia Tech-LSU matchup is a title game caliber matchup. The size, the offense of Virginia Tech against the length and the speed and the defense of LSU. And I'm, I'm baffled by, I want to look, you know, I want to go back to the bracket real quick. I want to look at the women's bracket because I want to see exactly how we arrived at a place where LSU with 32 wins is somehow a three seed. And <laughs> You're they, obsessed with this. <laughs> yeah, well, they came, who'd they beat? Oh, it's because Indiana got knocked off early. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but in but still, Indiana and Utah was the two. Okay, yeah, that's a three seed, I guess. But yeah. man, that is an underseeded three seed for LSU. They're going to give Virginia Tech a lot of problems. And then tonight, Caitlin Clark against South Carolina. It really does feel like a David Goliath thing, which is crazy considering how talented she is. But that's how impressive South Carolina is. No, without question. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be a fun night of basketball. Also be a fun night of basketball tomorrow. But there's one person who might not be playing at the school that he's been pretty well associated with. That's Hunter Dickinson. He is now in the transfer portal for Michigan. Michigan did not have a great season this year. It has not gone necessarily all that well for Juwan Howard after his first year with the Wolverines. What do you think's going on in Ann Arbor, Randy? I wonder about Juwan Howard. Um, I also just, you know, I think this is the state of play right now in in college basketball, to be sure, in football as well. You have to re-recruit your players every season. So, for Michigan to, you know, have the frustration, by, and certainly by their own standards, but for Michigan to have the frustration of not making the NCAA tournament, like that's that's something Michigan doesn't do, you know? And for Juwan Howard and company to fail to build on the momentum of the previous administration to play his son, you know, he had two of his sons on the team, sometimes that can be an interesting dynamic. I, I am not reporting anything. I'm not insinuating anything. I don't know. But I do know that Dickinson is the straw that stirred that drink, and now he's gone. And it could be out of the Big Ten. It could be, you know, he, imagine him as an addition to, I don't know, Alabama. You know, somewhere, like, that's that's the freedom that these players have now. It's a massive loss for Michigan. It could be a massive addition somewhere else. Without question, Hunter Dickinson might be one of the best, if not the best player now in the portal to me, there's a lot of changes going on right now in Ann Arbor because Hunter Dickinson's in the portal. Jet Howard, who's Juwan Howard's son, declared for the NBA draft. Yep. This Michigan team, which again, struggled this year, going to look vastly different from the team that we saw. This year coming up for Michigan, meaning 2023-2024, this feels like it is going to be a huge year for Juwan Howard in Ann Arbor. Like, if this doesn't go well next year, you have to start asking some questions about what is happening with that program that John Beeline really resurrected from being irrelevant in college basketball to making it one of the name brands again in the game. There's a lot of pressure, I think, that's going to come on Juwan Howard next year, and that's not something that I thought we would see. And to lose, I mean, really, it comes down to that, to lose that level of talent across two or three different players, right? I mean, Kobe Bufkin as well. And you lose those guys off a team that already didn't make the tournament. Who the heck are you bringing in? You better have backup plans one, two, and three for those guys. And I don't know if they do right now. That that will be an open question because even if they do bring in transfers, even if they do bring in freshmen, how do they gel? How do they mesh? You know, with a guy like Doug McDaniel, who one would think will be back next year as their point. But it's going to be really fascinating to see.
Here's the last thing I want to get to. Julius Randle, the Knicks all-star forward, he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks after a sprained ankle on Wednesday night's win over Miami, ruling him out for the rest of the regular season. What does this do for the Knicks in the playoffs, potentially? In the playoffs, right right now they're in that 4-5 matchup, and they are the 5 seed, um, and they're in that 4-5 matchup with, with a Cleveland team that can absolutely thump you inside. And you need someone to potentially, if it, if it becomes a star versus star game, you know, if Donovan Mitchell takes over and you know like he's going for 40, it's a 40-point Mitchell night, you need somebody who can respond. And and Randall has been that guy. Now, New York can rely on on Brunson, on Quickly as well, but now they need those guys to, to tread water for a Knicks team that's only two and a half games clearer than Nets for the sixth spot. So keep that in mind down the stretch too. Yeah, well, if the Knicks can't hold off the the Nets, they've got bigger problems than just Julius Randle. That's just the reality of it. You hope Julius Randle's healthy for the playoffs because the Knicks, when they're a contender in the East, that Mm -hmm. makes the playoffs a lot more fun. College basketball all weekend long. Joe and Amber, they're coming up next here on ESPN Radio. Spin, Candy, and Carlin. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.